John chapter number 11. And if, if you would please, we'll start reading in about verse 38. John 11, verse 38. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. So that's all we'll read. I realize that's a lot of reading. You know, uh, maybe in my thinking, probably the, the mightiest miracle and work that the Lord did as He was on the face of the earth. But, you know, as I, as I thought about that, any work that the Lord did is impossible with man. Uh, you know, you could say this was greater than healing the blind, but man can't cure blindness and man can't cure death either. But the word for miracle in the New Testament, if you, if you look that up, it really means an indication. So what the Lord is given is an indication of who that He is and the power that He's got. And, and you know, the, he, came, he came to the earth and he's, he's making the profession that I am the Son of God. I am, I am equal with God the Father. And, and He says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And you know, they, they despised Him for that. And today, if... If somebody made those claims today, we would despise them as well. How foolish that would be. But he come with such power to testify that what he said about himself really was true. So here, uh, you know, maybe we'll just set in order and and get to where we read there. But their word come to Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And they knew it wasn't looking good. And Mary and Martha, his his friends, he's friends with his family. And they they want him to come. And, and you can see it. Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother hadn't died. And Mary comes and she repeats the same thing. If, if you'd been here, our brother hadn't died. They, they wanted the Lord to come because they believed that he could do something about the sickness that Lazarus had. But you know, that, that word come to Jesus down there, wh- wherever he was, and he abode there two days still before he got up and went. He had no urgency. And the reason was because 
that this was going to come to pass. Even the Jews that are here mourning in the verse before, they said, well, if he had been here, he could have done something about this man's condition. And so Jesus, again, groaning in himself. So that, that word groan, if you look that up, it's to snort with anger. So he's, he's aggravated here. You see what they're doing? They're saying if, if he hadn't have drug his feet, and if he had come when he called, even Mary and Martha are insinuating that to him. If, if you would have come when you were called, then this, we wouldn't be in the place we're in today. And really wanting to point the finger at the God and God's power. Right. Really wanting to point the finger and say, yeah. you know, really, he's dead and this is your fault right. that he's dead. It's your fault that we're here mourning and it's a shame, ain't it? Amen. How much God's blamed for. That's right. Amen. How much the Word of God is blamed for what goes on. Amen. And so, Jesus groaning Himself, cometh to the grave. Now, I want you to picture this man Lazarus and the shape that he's in. He's been sick. He's died. They buried him. And he's been there four days. Right. And so they didn't embalm in this day like we do today. They didn't have coolers or freezers to keep the body in like we do this day. They weren't in a cold environment. They were in the desert, so it's hot. So after four days of death, you know, if a, if a possum gets run over in the summertime, what's it like in four days? And so that's, that's where Lazarus is. Now, he's not just a dead corpse down at the funeral home, but he's a dead corpse that's corrupting. Yeah. He's rotting. He's decaying. Yes. And so the Lord says, take me to the cave. Take me to the place where you've buried him. And it was a tradition there. You'll see it even with Jesus. When he was buried, they had bore out a place in a cave right. into the mountain. And there they would put the body and they would roll a stone over the gate of it. And there, there they had buried Lazarus He's dead. He's been dead. His body's decaying. He's buried and there's a stone in front of the cave. And I'm, I'm telling you, just further and further and further, look how impossible that this work is. I mean, if there's ever been anything impossible, this work is impossible. He's, he's beyond help. He's beyond the place that He can be benefited. He's beyond the place that we're able to reach. Ain't that, that's the way man thinks today. We've got folks that's rode off that's beyond reach. But you know, if, if God calls... Listen, let's, let's look in a place or two. And in John chapter 6, I'm, I'm telling you, salvation is this impossible. You know, He, he said, before we get to John 6... In Ephesians 2, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know where people are? They're dead in trespasses and sins. They are under the control and the authority and the lies 
of the devil. That's where they are right now. The spirit that now at this present time is working in them that are lost is the prince of the power of the air. The devil's working. Amongst whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So where's man living? He's doing what pleases himself. He's doing what brings joy, what brings happiness. He's doing exactly what he wants to do today. And that's what, that's what a pile of people are doing. They're doing exactly what they want. They're fulfilling their desires. People's got no thought about God whatsoever. God's in God, the truth. God's in the back. God gets what's left over. If I've got time for God, God can have something. But my desire and my want and my pleasure, that comes first. What I want to do comes first. Now there, there's where man is. And we're by nature. The children of wrath, even as others. So nature, that word, it means natural growth or germination. You know, the, the tomato vine. You know, that produces tomatoes by nature. I don't have to do anything to it. It doesn't have to be altered. But if you plant the tomato vine down, when it comes to fruition, it's going to produce tomatoes. Well, you know the way man is naturally? This is the way that man is born into this world. He's born a natural sinner. There's where his desires are. There's where his inclination is. It's to go away from God to go away from the truth, to avoid the gospel, to avoid the power of God, to avoid any service of God, and to serve Himself day after day. Now that's where the world is today. And you know, people says, well, the world is unreachable. By my ability and by your ability, people are unreachable. He says this in John chapter 6, Verse 44, now this is the Lord speaking. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. So no man can that to be able or possible. It's not no man may, but no man has the ability to come to me except the Father Drawing. So that word accept, I, I believe we know what that means. That it's, this is the one case that it's possible. No man has the ability to come to me. And why would we come to Jesus? I, I believe it's for salvation. Nobody can come to me and be saved except. Now this is the only way that you can come to me and be saved is that the Father draw Him. You know, we, we can preach till we're blue in the face and, and exert every amount of strength that we have to persuade and convince man of the truth of the gospel. But at the end of the day, and I believe I ought to, I ought to make effort to study. I ought to pray to God for help. I, I ought to do my absolute best to explain and, and lay the Word of God out before man. But the truth, when it comes to saving sinners... God must be working in their hearts and drawing them because they don't have the ability to come to Jesus otherwise. And so the crowd that would say, well, just believe any time you want to and, 
and come to God and be saved. Wait till the end and be saved. And, and all this business. Man don't have the ability to do that. Jesus said no man can come to me. And you know he says again I looked uh, here just a few weeks ago at another church and Matthew 19 he's given the parable there of the rich young ruler. And at the end of that he makes the statement that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of God. So shall hardly. It is impossible in practice to do or to carry out. And he's going to qualify that a little bit more in a verse or two and say that it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any sewing, but I'm telling you to get a thread through a needle is the devil for me. And I'll close one eye and I'll get it under the light. You know, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. And so Jesus is saying what it's easier to put a camel, the camel was the largest animal in the Israeli area there, it's easier to get a camel through the eye of that needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard people say, well, he says that, but he don't really mean that. Well, he either means what he says or he's fibbing one or the other. And the Lord said it's impossible. And if, if you can put a camel through the eye of a needle... Then, then you can get somebody saved. That's right. That's right. Ain't that the truth? Right. That's, that's what the Lord Jesus was teaching there. Yes. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So you see the picture there in Matthew, the same as here what we see with Lazarus. That with men, Lazarus is a goner. You know, we've got maybe maybe 15 minutes if your heart stops. Maybe less than that, I'm not sure. But you've got just a, a short time there after the heart stops to restart that and there not be any damage. There not be any lasting damage. They're not, and you know, once you get beyond a certain time, it's vain to even try to restart the heart. You know what they say? There's nothing more we can do, and they sign their death certificate down. That's all that man is able to do. And in salvation here, just like with a rich man, that, that rich man, he can't enter in. Well, Lazarus is dead, and he's beyond the help of mankind. Do you see? That's where people are today, they're beyond the help of the preacher. Well, if you could just explain it just a little bit better. I tell you, Paul the Apostle, he in the last chapter of the book of Acts, he spent all day reasoning with them and uh, taking the Old Testament and proving that Jesus was Christ and some of them believed and some of them didn't. And right here in John chapter 11, Jesus is going to bring a dead man to life and some are going to believe and some are going to go back and tattle to the enemy. So, now reason with me. If I got a man out of the grave up here that had been dead for four days, if I got him up and resurrected him, you'd say, well, why wouldn't everybody believe what he's saying. Right. Jesus got a man up. Yeah. And you know, not everyone there 
believed in Him. How is that? I tell you, man's dead in sin and his, his mind and his heart is blinded by the prince of the power of the air. And you know what's necessary to come to Jesus as the Savior is the drawing power of God Almighty. Now, here's a dead man. Lazarus is dead. He's laying in the tomb. Now, what do you want to say to him that's going to help him out? Well, if, if the preacher knew the right words, I tell you, I've, I've been foolish in my past and, and I've thought that. If I, could, if I could get the right Scripture and if I could say the right words, maybe it would bring man to salvation. But you know, if, if you've got a corpse here, what words can I say to him that's going to make any difference in his condition? And so man, if man is indeed, and I believe the Bible's clear, man is dead in sins. You remember, you remember the parable of the prodigal son? When the prodigal comes back home, what does the father say about his son that come back? Yes. He says, my son was lost and is found. My son was dead and he's alive again. Amen. So he never died in the flesh. But he was dead Amen. in trespasses and sins towards the father and towards the Savior. So here's Lazarus. Lazarus is out of reach. Mary and Martha can't say the right thing to him to get him up. The preacher can't say the right words. The priest can't. The high priest is unable to help him. Uh, the, the Jewish church as a whole is un. You know all they're able to do is get together and cry that he's gone. That's all that they have the ability to do. In order for this man to be helped, there's going to have to be a word spoken that's beyond the ear. You agree? If, if the dead man's going to hear, then there must be a quickening power that makes alive that speaks to him. Yes. And until... Now think about this. Until he's made alive, he's not going to hear anything, is he? So a lot of thought is today is, well, we've got to come to God first and then we'll be made alive. Well, right here, you see, here is Lazarus. He's dead. He's going to be made alive and then he's going to come out. Amen. So let's look at a, a, another place. In Jeremiah chapter number 13, I, you know, I, I've had a lot of resistance here. People don't believe that man's dead and unable to come to God. They don't believe that. I believe I can come to God whenever I'd like to. Well, I, I believe Scripture is plain. Amen. In Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Now, is that possible? Is it possible for the Ethiopian to change the color of his skin? Is it possible for the leopard to change the pattern of his spots? The way they're born, that's the way they are. Wouldn't right. you say that's true? Amen. So if that's the case, this is still in the book. This is yes. 13 and 23. Then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. There's no question mark there. There's a period. So if the Ethiopian can't change his skin, if the leopard 
cannot change his spots, then them that are accustomed to evil cannot change their ways on their own. Man is left in a hopeless and in a helpless condition on his own. But you know, that's, that's why the Lord came. I, I want you to think now. The Lord could have come when He was called and healed him and him been better. He could have. But He didn't. He chose, He deliberately waited. Why is that? Why did He deliberately wait? Till it was known I tell you, he was going to do a work here that it would be known that there was a miraculous power beyond any of their imagination. He's going to wait till he's dead. And not freshly dead, but completely, without question, he's gone. And so where we started reading, he, they bring him to the grave. It's a cave and the stone lay on it. So not only is the man dead, he's shut up in the grave. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. So, you know, what's going on in her mind here? She's got no thought of this man coming from the dead. And so when Jesus says, Take away the stone... She's thinking, well, he's wanting to see the body. He's wanting to come. You know, we come to the viewing and there's the body that we walk by and view. Well, Lord, he's, he's too far gone to go in and view now. He's decayed and stinking and corrupted and there's nothing in there for you to see. No realization of the power that God had here. But the Lord said, take ye away. Now, I, I've thought a lot about this right here. The Lord could have done this. I mean, if, if He can command the wind and the seas to obey Him, and if He could cure all manner of diseases and bring the dead from the grave, could He not have moved this stone by some earthquake or by some great wind? But you know, the Lord said, you, take you away the stone. You come and lay hands on that and move that out of the way. You know why that is? There's going to be some witnesses there yeah. that's going to see what's in there. Right. They're going to see, you know, people's going to say, well, well, I tell you, he wasn't really dead. They just pretended and he was back in there with some food and some water. But there's going to be some people that's going to get right up close and they're going to see the corrupted body and they're going to smell the death smell that's there and they're going to know that this work that this man done was indeed a miracle and He's going to receive the glory for it. I tell you today, we're living in a world that wants to take the glory from God. We want some glory for ourselves. We want to say, well, this happened because the church did. This happened because I did. This person saved because I prayed through for them. And we're taking glory from the one that raised the dead and we're saying that we had something to do with that. God bless your heart. The Lord said that the glory is mine and I will not give it to another. That's right. That's what the Lord said. So who deserves the glory and the praise for a work of salvation? It's the Lord that does it. And the truth now 
if I'm going to draw near to God, and if I'm going to pray to God, you know the, the thought is, we need to do better for a week or two in revival yes. so that we can see people get saved. That's right. But you know, the, the truth is now, that if I'm going to pray and really seek God and, and try to draw near to Him, I ought to be doing that every day of the week out of the year. Amen. Amen. The Lord said, if you've done all that's commanded you, say we're just unprofitable servants and we've done what the Master has asked. i tell you what He does. He don't leave any credit to this man. Right. He don't leave any glory for me. He don't leave any glory for the church. But He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I tell you, there's going to be people there. See, they're going to witness, they're going to spill, and they're going to say when, when the doubters rise up and they say, you know, I believe that was just a big magic show. That was just a big put on. There's going to be somebody there that says, no, I seen the body and I smelled him and I know what he was like and I seen him come out of there alive. Amen. God's going to get glory Amen. To himself. Yes, sir. Now, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. She knew what was in there. She knew this wasn't a show. You know, as hard as it is, she don't want to see that either. She's got her last memories of her brother. She loved him and he was dear to her. And she don't want to see and smell that corrupting body. She don't want that to be exposed. And she says, Lord, I believe it'd just be a better idea to keep him covered up and keep him hid. It'd be a better idea just to, to leave the stone there and not look in and see. You know, that's what folks try to do. Folks try to make excuse for the corruption and the sin that are eating people's lives up. Do you know why now? Do you know why there's no dedication to God whatsoever? Do you know why sin can be so freely committed and there's no guilt or condemnation about it? Do you know why man is free to live as he pleases. It's because he's dead and he's corrupting and you want to talk to people about it and they want to make excuse and cover up the iniquity that's in their life. Amen. We're better off to leave the lid on that grave. Right. Keep it covered up. I don't want people to know what I really smell like on the inside. That's what the Lord said that the Pharisees were. You're like whited sepulchers. You're prettied up and you're decorated and you're freshly painted and when somebody that don't know any better walks by, they say, well, look how beautiful that is. Somebody must be living there. That's fixed up so pretty and we want to go in and see what's there. And Jesus said on the inside, it's filled with dead men's bones and corruption and the stench of death. Just leave the lid on it. Don't open that up. But I'm telling you, to get down to where this man was, the lid's going to have to be taken off. And is that not the way the gospel works? First, the gospel's got to uncover me and lay me out for what I really am. I'm going to have to be a hopeless sinner in the sight of God if I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. 
And so the gospel uncovers the tomb and reveals what's really inside of me. You know what I thought about myself? I thought I, I'm a pretty good boy. I, I was raised up in church. I was took there my whole life from, from a baby, from an infant I was took there. And I thought, you know, I, I'm better than most people in my community. I'm better than my friends at school. I've been taught better in the Word of God. And, and I go to church and I'm, I'm good the way that I am. But you know, the gospel came one day and it rolled the stone on my heart away and I began to smell what I really was. I began to see the corruption. I began to see how that sin and the lies of the devil had corrupted my nature and my life. And I began to realize what a hopeless condition that I was in. Amen. Hopeless yes. and separated from God yes. under the power of of the devil. I don't want the stone roll back. Man doesn't. But for the sake of this man coming to life, the stone was rolled away. Now this is what Jesus says. Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see... See what? What's the book say right there? The glory... Of God. It's not going to be Lazarus. It's not going to be a work of man. But I tell you what's going to be witnessed is the glory and the, the magnificence and the splendor and the power of God Almighty is going to be on display. God's going to do a work here that is going to exalt Him above every man and every woman and every religious person and every priest and every prophet and everybody that's ever lived. God's going to show Himself to be the sovereign and the one that's able to do all things. Yes. Amen. Said I not, if you'd believe, you would see the glory of God. And I be she believed in Him. Yeah. She's already confessed that we believe You're the Son of God. Yeah. And I believe He's going to rise again the last day. I believe You're going to get Him up at the last day, at the final resurrection. But I believe here she's... This is something she didn't want to do. But because You say it, I believe it's just like Peter. Peter was probably aggravated. That the Lord said, let down your nets. We've already drew them up. We've already got them rolled up. We've already got them cleaned. We've done absolutely no good. I don't want to throw the nets down again. But, because you said so, and so I believe there is Mary and Martha here. We don't want to open that up. But because you insist, we're going to do it. Wouldn't it be good if when God insisted something in His Word, that we would be obedient and do that. Is there anybody else more worthy of our obedience? Anybody else more worthy of my submission? I mean, if the boss on Monday morning is going to tell me to go do this, and I say, yes, sir, I'll drop what I'm doing and we'll go do that. If I'm willing to submit to Him while I'm at work, what about the sovereign God that's in control of today and tomorrow and eternity and that gave me everything that I've got Amen. today. Everything that I've got, He's provided it. Ah, we don't need to obey Him. You know what kind of heart that is? That's, that's a heart that's dead. 
That's a heart that is still dead in trespasses and sins. And you know, where was Lazarus? Well, he was buried. Where's all your dead people? They're buried. Maybe a few's cremated. Maybe a few's entombed. But I'll tell you where they all are. They're all where the dead are. It shouldn't be any surprise that people that are lost live like people that are lost. He says in Ephesians, that's their nature. They're following the natural course of life. Maybe I can explain that, that it could be understood a little bit better. But you know, I've heard this said many times in my life. I I just don't understand why, why they won't do better. I don't understand why they won't why they won't come and do better and, and give themselves. Well, he tells us why people can't do better. It's because they're dead in sins. I don't understand why Lazarus is in that tomb. We know why he's there. We carried him and put him there. And we put the stone over him. And we know he ain't moved. Because he's dead. And so there's people that are lost and undone. They're under the power of the devil. And in sin they live. They're satisfied to live there. They're pleased to live there. And the God's truth, there's no desire in them to do any better than they are right now. The dead will lay with the dead. And so, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, so He's going to pray here. So the stone is rolled away. The dead man's exposed. You can look in and see the dead man in there. And if you're any distance from it, you can smell the dead man in there. You can smell the corruption. You can smell the filth. And I'm, you talk about a smell. There's nothing like the smell of corruption, is there? So there's no question here. This man's a dead man. He's dead. And so the Lord prays, I thank Thee, Lord, that Thou hearest me. But now He's not saying that because He doubted the Lord was going to hear Him. And He makes that clear. He says that so you and I can know with what authority He's doing these works. You know what they're going to accuse Him of? They're going to say, you do these miracles by Beelzebub. The prince, the devil's giving you this power to do these works so that you can deceive people by that. I don't know, maybe you haven't, but I have. What you're preaching, that's of the devil. That doctrine's of the devil. That thinking, that's not the truth. There's no way that that can be the truth. That comes from Beelzebub. But I tell you, the Lord here, He's saying, He's praying to the Father, I'm thankful that you hear me and I say these words so that everybody here might believe. You know what I believe the Lord does? I believe the Lord upon His men that are preaching the truth of the Gospel. I believe His Spirit bears witness in such a way that it's not it's irremistakable that this man is preaching the truth of God. Thank God for that witness of the Spirit that can assure our hearts that this is the truth. So he prays, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
So I can say to you, come up here. And because you're alive, and because you can hear, you can respond to what I say. Does that make sense? Lazarus is not alive. Lazarus can't hear. Lazarus can't think. So if, if I go up to the grave and say, Lazarus, come forth. Would, would you think of reason for just a minute how silly that that sounds? Right. That I'm going to tell somebody in that shape to stand up while your words, they're not going to do any good. I would that man could realize that. We, we can't reach them. But the Word of the Lord yes. is able to reach them. So, it wasn't just audible work here. There was a power working inside of the dead man's body that brought him to life. He had to be brought to life in order to even hear what God is saying here. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. If he's dead, he can't hear it. Right. So there's a quickening work in the inward man here that's waking him up to hear what Jesus is speaking to him. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. We, we've already looked at the first couple verses. But what's going to happen to these who were dead in sins? In verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. So what's he saying here? Well, here we are. We're dead in sins. If you see the picture there in, in John, we're Lazarus laying in the tomb. We're dead as a hammer towards God. We're bound by the devil. We're serving and servants to sin. But the kindness of God shows up. Now I want you to know this, and you rest on this with all assurance. It was kindness, and it was mercy, and it was the grace and goodness of God that appeared to me. God didn't owe me one thing. Man wants to say, well, God's obligated to do this, that, and the other. I tell you, God's obligated to be just, and He could have cut me off and cast me into hell and been just as just to do so. God didn't owe me anything. Man, man's deserving of everything today in his own mind. But I tell you what the Bible says it was. It was kindness. And it was mercy compassion. Yes. Well, you think about mercy, compassion, kindness. That's not words of obligation. No. Bless you, Church. It's not. He's not obligated to pass. Why, He's obligated to speak to everybody one time. Where is that in the Scripture? But His kindness came by where we were. And He spoke to us for His great love. My God, what love that God had for us. Not only did He sacrifice His only begotten Son for our sins, but there we are laying dead in sin, in rebellion and hatred towards God. And God comes to us even when we're dead. Why, preacher, you got to clean up and you got to do better before God speaks to you. I'm telling you, the Bible says, when I was dead in sins, the kindness of God came to me. I hadn't made a move to God. I hadn't done better. I had no desire to do better. And the 
Word of God came to me and brought me out of that state. Even when we were dead, hath quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's going to happen to Lazarus? Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. Jesus has come because He loves him. And He loves Martha. And He loves Mary. And the Word of God is going to penetrate into that cavern. The Word of God is going to penetrate not the ear of Lazarus, but into the body. You know what's going to have to happen? The decay is going to have to be reversed. His organs are going to have to be restored. Breath is going to have to enter back into his body. His heart's going to have to start pumping again. I'm telling you, there's a work that's got to be done here that's more than audible words. There's a power of God working to bring life in the dead man. And so, even as as we preach the gospel, and it's heard on ears, often on deaf ears, often, but you know, unbeknownst to us, from time to time, there's a power working inside of somebody that's hearing, Amen. that's bringing them to life, that's quickening their ears, that's letting them hear what's really being said, that's letting it get beyond a story about a man coming from the dead, and he lets me see myself dead and my need of resurrection. There must be. There must be a power of God that's working. Again, in Titus, in Titus chapter 3, he's going to talk about the condition that we were in, the sins that we were serving. We were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Now let's stop right there for just a minute. We'll look at the rest of that. So what's happened? Here I am in verse 3. That describes what I am. But after, there's a change that happens. Do you see the change? But after. In in Ephesians 2, there you've got the condition of man, but after. So what's happening? God's going to do a work. You know what you could say in John 11? There's a dead man rotting in the grave. But after Jesus come, he's not a dead man in the grave anymore, is he? And so here, here in Titus, here's dead men in the grave, but the kindness of God and love of God our Savior appears. And why He appeared? Because I was seeking Him hard. He appeared because I was doing some great work. I'm telling you, He's going to disqualify that. Not by works of righteousness. I did not deserve this. I did not earn this. But the Lord came to me and resurrected me from my death. Amen. Gave me life. Now how did He do this work? Here He's going to say, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So there's a washing and renewing that's going on. What does the washing in Ephesians again? That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Right. And so the Word and the Holy Ghost 
is at work here, bringing man from his corrupt state into a new life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God does this work, therefore being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So He brings us out of death into life. He brings us out from under the power of the devil into His kingdom and under His reign. He brings us out from the rule of sin and brings us under the rule of the Word of God. Now, can this happen and there not be a change that takes place? Man's got salvation figured out today and while man can be saved, and they don't have to be a change. His nature don't have to be different. Now, Lazarus is dead and the dead man is satisfied to lay in the tomb. But when Lazarus comes to life, now it's the Bible's going to say the shape he was in. Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. So that word means a winding sheet. So if you picture about a two foot wide sheet on a roll that's maybe 30 foot long. And what they've done, they took this dead man and they've wrapped him like a mummy. They didn't wrap his arms separate. He was just like this. And they went round and round and round. And then they wound his face up to keep his mouth closed with a napkin that was separate. And he's bound hand and foot. It's from the sole of his feet to the top of his head that he's bound and wound up in this grave cloth. And you know, you, you picture being wrapped up tight like that. You know what that's going to be? Now to the dead man, he's perfectly happy to be wound up like that. He's perfectly satisfied to be like that. But somebody that's alive, that's not very comfortable. You know what I'd like to be? I'd like to be out of that. So Lazarus now, Lazarus laying in the grave dead, he's satisfied where he's at. But now that God has brought him to life, here he comes and he's wound up in his grave clothes. And I I say this as well. I don't want to add things to the Scripture, but if he's wound up tight like that, I don't know how the man's going to get up. If he's laid down flat and wound up from hand head to toe I don't know how the man's going to be able to stand up there may have very well been a power of God that got him up and that put him on his feet ain't that what David said he pulled me up out of the miry clay and he set my feet on the solid rock he didn't just pull him out and put him back down in it but he set him down somewhere where he could get his footing and where he could live his life day by day So the Lord has resurrected Lazarus from the dead. The Lord has stood him up and put him on his feet. And now you know what Lazarus wants? I want to get out of this stinking rags. Now you think about being wrapped. And I don't mean to be gross. But it's a truth. I I believe it's in line with the Scripture. He's been wrapped up and his body's decayed. So some of that corruption... Wouldn't you say it's come through? Yeah. His bowels have burst, I'm sure. They've been put back together now by this miracle. Yeah. But these rags are corrupt. And they stink and they're filthy. And while he was dead, man satisfied to lay in the corruption of sin while he's dead. But when God gets a man up, yes. when God, if you'll have it, 
when God saves a man, when a man is born again, he's not satisfied to stay in that corruption anymore. Lazarus is coming out of there and the Lord says, loose him and let him go. Get them filthy rags off of him and set this man free. You remember what it was like to really be set free when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, God having resurrected us from the dead, and there we were. I remember, I can remember the weight that was on me. I remember, I remember on the second row, I remember the weight in the altar call Greg was preaching, and I didn't even want to look up. But you know, the Lord got me up out of that. The Lord brought me to Himself and the Lord said, Loose Him and let Him go. And the Lord freed me of the old filthy man that had corrupted me and gave me a new life. He loosed me and let me go from what once had me bound. I was bound and never knew it before. I was bound and didn't want out of it. See how Lazarus was? I mean, it makes sense. He's dead. We know he didn't care. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know the state he was in. That's the way man is in sin. He does not know the state that he's in. But you know, when the Lord's working and bringing to life, He opens our eyes to just how bound and wound up that we really were. My God, I'll say for me, I was in pitiful shape. I was a wicked and a corrupt sinner. And my life, my natural life didn't have any hope. I was going to run in world and demolish it and my spiritual life was absolutely hell bound I was happy to be there I was enjoying every minute of it and I did not care what anybody else thought but you know the Lord coming the Lord got a hold of me and he raised me from the dead and I began to the man that would have said shut up and leave me alone said I've got to get to this Jesus I need to be set free What brought that to pass? It wasn't the wisdom of man's words. It wasn't enticing words of man's wisdom. If we're not careful, we'll fall into that and we'll want to entice people to come to the altar. I tell you, people that are enticed by man, their faith is in man. Paul says, I didn't come that way. I come in the Spirit and power of God. I did not use enticing words so that your faith, when you come would be in the Lord and in the Lord alone. He says this in Romans. And I I realize this is a very familiar Scripture as well. In Romans 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So God's asking a question here. Shall we? Can we? Is it possible for us, once the grace of God has abounded in our life and brought us from the dead, is it possible now for me to continue on in the old lifestyle that I always had now that the grace of God's been shed abroad? Is it possible? Man says, why, yeah, it's possible. 
The Bible says God forbid. Not the church forbid. Paul doesn't say I, Paul the apostle, forbids it. But he says God forbid. Now he's going to ask you a question. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So it, it's very similar to saying this. Well, Lazarus, once he was resurrected, he had the option of laying in the grave and just staying there. Did he? Who in their right mind would be resurrected and say, you know, I like it in here in the grave with the dead people. I'm just going to stay here. No, I, he wanted out of there. Amen. And he wanted to be unwound. That's the way people are that really get saved. They're not still continuing in sin, but they are, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, again, I realize this is just familiar Scripture after familiar Scripture, and I apologize for that, but it is the Word of God. One, If one died for all, then we're all dead, and he died for all that they which live, that they which are made alive should not from henceforth live unto themselves, Amen. but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Yes. On down to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So God has done such a work here that everything about this man is different. God has changed this man from head to toe. God has made a new creation out of this man. And is he going to continue in sin? Is he going to keep the same lifestyle? Is he going to treat the church the same as he always did? Is he going to think the same thing about God? Absolutely not. God forbid that he do that. God won't allow him to do that. He's been resurrected from the dead and God has made him a new creature. Yes. Not I'm going to do better one day. This is not me improving myself. This is God doing a work and God producing a change and God changing a man. Now if it was up to me, I could say, well, I'm not strong enough to do that. And that's why I'm like I am. But see, this ain't, this ain't Joseph, you do your best and I'll take care of the rest. This is I've got you up. And you're going to live different because I'm in control now. He comes as Savior and Lord. He comes as the King. He comes as the one that's in authority. So back in John, just for another minute and I'll hush. I've not meant to be long. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. So Jesus, take off his corruption. You know, we see a picture of that as well in, in the prophet Zacharias' writings. And there's Joshua, the high priest, and he's got on filthy garments. And there's, there's the devil there to withstand him and to resist him and to fight against him, to really accuse him is what the devil's there for. And the angel of the Lord says to the angel, take off his filthy garments 
and put a clean robe upon him. You know what the Lord's doing? He's taking away his filth and He's making him to be pure in his sight. The accuser's got nothing to say about this righteousness that God gives. He can't take that away from us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. He's given us a complete and a finished salvation that doesn't have an expiration on it. But it's good forevermore. And we're made alive. Give me just a second. And verse 25, John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Believest thou this? Well, if, if you do this, if you was to get caught up in that, if you was to do the other, then you're going to die. You know, I, I believe God gave us an example as an extreme example as you could get in the King David. Yes. Now, if anybody deserved to die for their sin, would you not say David deserved to die for his yes. sin? Yes, sir. David first, he laid with another man's wife. Not just any man, but one of his mighty warrior men's wife. Yes. Got her pregnant. And then David, to cover it up, he had him killed and had his life took from him. And then David, he acted like he was going to be the holy man. And I'm going to marry her and bring her in and take care of her. I'm telling wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. And he doesn't deny it. You know, if God wanted to cover all that up, He wouldn't put that in the book, That's would He? Right. He wouldn't. Right. But God exposes all of this stuff. Yes. He brings it to our attention. But the Word of God's going to come to David now. David's going to repent and he doesn't say, save me again. He doesn't say, resurrect me again. But restore the joy of thy salvation to me. Forgive me of my sins. Why, preacher, David didn't deserve forgiveness. I believe that's the way a lot of people think. So and so don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know what? There was a there was a, a in one of the parables there that the Lord gave, there was one of the servants that said, I'm not gonna forgive this one. Right. He had forgot everything that the master had forgiven him of. Yes, sir. Boy, I tell you, to not be forgiven. As somebody that is forgiven, and as somebody that's had this record wiped clean, as somebody that's been dead in the grave, and God has loosed us and let us go, for me to say, I'm not forgiven so and so, boy, that's a big statement to make. I'm glad David got mercy, because I got the same mercy that David got. And I tell you, if I'm going to live another 10 years in the goodness of God, it's going to be by His mercy. Amen. Amen. So, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and seen the things which Jesus did, believed on Him to have faith in or upon. So there was, there was a number there that saw all of this go on, and they said, you know, 
this man, he's got to be the Son of God. There's no other explanation. By what our eyes have seen today, this man's got to be the real thing. And yet, some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. So over and over again, over and over, there's those that believe and there's those that reject the Gospel. Now, does that speak? I'm telling you, you think about this now. You want to throw down on me and I deserve to be thrown down on. But here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate in the flesh, God with us. And God is going to get a man rotten in the grave for four days up from the dead and bring him out alive. I didn't even, didn't even look close at it. But you read those words, then he that was dead came forth. He says that in just a few words. But my God, look what a work that's been done there. And Jesus, the Son of God, is going to do that work and there's going to be a crowd of people not believing. They're going to nail Him to the cross. And Jesus is going to tell His disciples, if they do this in a green tree, if this is what they do to me, the Son of God, what are they going to do to you? My God, it's no wonder. People, people can't believe. It's impossible that people believe. 